Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Renter Power Hour, brought to you by Tenants Together, California's only statewide organization for renters' rights. Uh, we're happy to have another episode. It's been a while. We've been away a little bit, but we're back. And today we're joined with Lupe Ariola, Shante Singh. A little bit later, we'll be joined with uh, Victoria Zacharias and uh, Eileen Joy, who's going to give us a fundraising update. Um, but right now, we want to kick off the start of the show with this little post-election debrief. There's a lot to happen statewide and locally. And uh, we just kind of want to dive into what's been happening since the election and, and what are things looking like post-election, too. Yeah, so uh, I'll There was an election? There was an election. Oh, my God, what? Sorry. <laughs> no, I know. It's like, I feel like it's, it's all, it almost feels like it's still going on. It feels like an internal election. Um, <laughs> the forever election. It's the election that doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah. Election that never ends. Just goes on, <laughs> on, my friends. Sorry. We're talking about the next election, like in 2022, and I'm just like, I don't want to talk about this right now. Um, like, can we please have a break? Um, anyway, uh, so you know, tenants together, we endorsed um three measures. I wanted the state level Proposition 21, uh, which would have uh partially or mostly repealed the very bad Costa-Hawkins Rental Housing Act uh, that's been in place since 1995 that limits uh, rent control across California. Um, we also endorsed two local measures, Measure C and RC in Sacramento and Burbank, which would have been uh, to pass rent control in those municipalities, in those cities. Um, unfortunately, all three measures fell short for different reasons. Um, and we can talk more about that now. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're used to uh, knowing that this is going to be a very long fight. So uh, as much as we are a little bummed out about it, um, you know, we know that the fight continues. So uh, with, with Measure C, especially in Sacramento and Eduardo, I know you can talk about that uh, if we want to talk about that one first. But uh, with Measure C, especially, there were a lot of, you know, attempts, unfortunately, by the Sacramento City Council and the mayor to keep it off the ballot. Um, there was a lot of hard work from our allies at, you know, the Sacramento Tenants Union, especially, but, you know, SEIU 1021, ACE, Tenants Together, and our coalition to put it back on the ballot. Um, there was a lot of unfortunate court litigation, and then it was put back on the ballot, you know, kind of at the, at the last minute, I would say, like, really only a couple of months ago. Um, so, you know, that kind of ate into, you know, <laughs> that ate into some of our campaign time, I would say, in the, in the time that we would have spent that between that and the pandemic running, a, you know, running a citywide campaign in a city as large as Sacramento takes a lot of time and effort. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm sure I think there's good things <laughs> in the future ahead for Sacramento and, you know, there's a definitely possibility to try again. Um, we know a lot of times that when it comes to rent control measures, sometimes they don't pass the first time, sometimes they pass the second time, sometimes they pass the third time, but eventually they pass, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's like you mentioned though too, like the city, the mayor, you know, they really tried everything to stop this ballot initiative and, um, and it was very last minute. I mean, literally going to court um, months before an election or like weeks before an election start, you know, and you're still trying to fight for this. There wasn't much time for planning, so um, but there is definitely a lot of optimism, I think, from Sacramento organizers there and Sacramento housing justice organizers there uh, who feel like um, even though they weren't given the full amount of time to run a full campaign, they're they're still 
was definitely enough time to start building a base there to keep fighting. Yeah, and I think, you know, they have now a friendly uh, adv- attendant advocate um, on city council, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, just obligatory disclaimer that Tenants Together does not endorse candidates for office. And, you know, there's uh, there was also, I think, kind of in the oppositional Right, opposition to like red control like there was another ballot measure that was supposedly like a strong mayor ballot measure yeah so it really became a division between those two but that one also failed so you know i mean i think that the there is a lot of political power for tenants that's been built through this campaign mm-hmm. it was a, one of the most upside down topsy-turvy fights that i think i've seen in a long time mm-hmm. uh, at the ballot and you know it, in spite of all of those in spite of all of those issues and all of those hardships, you know, we still made it onto the ballot and the Sacramento Tenants Union especially made it onto the ballot after gathering something on the order of what, 44, 47,000 signatures? Yeah, yeah. Um, that is not a small accomplishment no. at all. Absolutely. Uh, that's really hard to do, uh, to collect that many signatures. Uh, and, and so like, you know, through that, they were able to build, you know, a base um, for future action and hopefully maybe even future rent control initiatives, mm-hmm. one that won't uh, get messed with this time in the courts. Um, and also just to, sorry, Shanti. Oh, go um, ahead, go ahead. Also just to recognize all the work that was put into these measures, especially by a first time, a first time city trying to pass rent control like Burbank, you know, uh, which was amazing that they were even able to get it onto the ballot and there was some real like discussions happening about rent control in a city that had not discussed rent control before or just cause. And also after the state of California passed AB 1482, which set some rent caps and some minimum just cause protections, but not enough. So the fact that like even a city like Burbank, like Sacramento, and hopefully for even a future election, we know Pasadena is looking into putting one on the ballot. We know that um, Bell Gardens is thinking about it as was working, is looking into it. Um, you know, that, you know, we know that, in, you know, hopefully El Cerrito, maybe, here's hoping, but, you know, the point is that even though the state, the state passed, you know, AB 1482, I love seeing that other cities still are saying this is not enough, especially during these times. We want to pass something stronger. Um, so that's one point. Um, another point is I've been looking at the numbers um, from Prop 10 a couple years ago and Prop um, 21. And it's interesting, actually, the percentages at the state level are actually about the same from Prop 10 to Prop 21. Um, you know, Prop it was about 40, 41% to 59% more or less. Um, and it's about also the same with Burbank was about 36% yes. Sacramento was about 38% yes. So it feels like, you know, we're at that like 40% mark, which is actually, again, considering all the money that is spent by real estate interest to keep these uh, ballot measures down and all of the groundwork that in the smaller budget this, that, um, grassroots organizations are doing to pass these measures. Um, I think 40%, again, would be better if it was over 50%, but um, I think like we're building towards something here. Like 40% means like, you know, over a third of the, the city or the state 
feels that this is necessary. And I think that's something we can definitely build on in the coming years. Yeah. It's also just, you know, I mean, once again, it was something like a hundred million dollars spent against it. Um, possibly, I mean, yeah, it, it, was, it was something that big once more, which was how much was spent against Prop 10, you know, to confuse, to confuse voters, right? Mm-hmm. So once again, we had kind of the same phenomenon and this happened with other propositions like Proposition 22, which was, you know, unfortunately passed, which was the Uber and Lyft, you know, uh, driven bill to like undermine labor and worker protections. But, you know, it was this kind of the same scenarios coming out of that when they pulled people and they talked to people, they were confused by all the misleading advertising and the money against it. They were like, oh, I thought that, you know, a vote, I thought voting no meant more rent control. So like you factor, you have to factor all of that in. But, you know, that's just a reality we have to live with. The real estate industry is constantly spending all this money on political advertising uh, to confuse people, you know, and, and may have allegedly, I'm dropping the allegedly here, uh, committed some ethical violations, which were being investigated while doing that, you know, but, but we're used to it. And, you know, it's just uh, what we have to keep fighting against. So it's, it's, a, it's a fact of life, unfortunately, um, in this state, but we've, we've won before and we know how to win again. So, you know, also going back to the, your point, Shanti, that, you know, the real estate industry spent hundreds of millions of dollars on this, you know, over a hundred million dollars on against Prop 21. It's also really outrageous, some of the claims they were making and how much really hypocritical, like, for example, uh, one of the ads that I kept seeing and that I literally kept screaming at the TV whenever it would come on was the ad where they said, oh, Prop 21 would allow the landlords to raise the rent 15% on the most vulnerable. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, the landlord lobby in California and as well as, you know, corporate landlords have before AB 1482 was passed, we're giving 20% increases. We're giving 50% increases, Um, five zero, not one five, you know? We're getting 50% increases. So for them now to turn around and do this and to have done this media campaign of like, oh, it would allow 15%, uh, 15% increase. It's like, wow, what you have some nerve <laughs> to come here and say that when it was actually going to be once a tenant moved out, it was not going to be while the tenant was in, was in tenants, was in, in residency in, in their unit. And also, these are the same folks that were happy to raise rent 50% on some people sometimes. So I think just, um, I think it's really important that, you know, right now, Tenants Together, we're uh, working on a Making Real Estate Money Toxic project, along with ACE, Leadership Council, uh, along with Homes for All, um, where, you know, we're discussing about how do we make, how do we challenge this narrative? Um, and especially for future elections, how do we challenge the narrative that the real estate um, this, uh, lobby is putting out? Because for them to put out that kind of messaging was, just like I said, it totally made me matter every time I saw it. But it's also, um, how do we fight against it? Yeah, I mean, they used, like, they used a, a provision that actually was a concession to the real estate industry against mm-hmm. the campaign, right? 
instead of you know they were they were complaining last time that you know they were like well you know we need to we can't have unlimited vacancy control so wherever we were like fine okay we'll put a couple limits on vacancy control but we're still going to you know legalize it um and then they use that in false advertising to confuse tenants and said your rent's going to be increased by 15 percent. i mean it was you know it's the it's I, I mean it's the depth of just lies really i mean like that that's it's it's so incredibly cynical but you know we've seen them do this before we've also seen them do this and capitalize i think on the fact that you know costa hawkins is not a household name piece of law you know if you don't live in a city with rent control uh then you probably have no reason to know what it costa hawkins is it's a very obscure law that unfortunately also has like created a ton of misery and, and has a lot of influence over people's lives that they don't know it though and so that makes it easy to kind of sow confusion about repealing Costa Hawkins and making people think, you know, stuff like, oh, I thought a no vote was for rent control, not the opposite, et cetera, because it's just such an obscure, it's just so, such an obscure thing for most people that they, that, that really does affect their daily lives, but they don't necessarily know about it. And like, why would you, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, that's something we'll think about, I think, you know, approaching this in the future and also you know we know that these this camp these campaigns have kind of or this disingenuous messaging has happened before you know i always think of santa rosa uh when they went to the ballot for rent control and lost by a tiny margin i mean for a city of like i think 140 150,000 people is like a 700 vote margin but you know they ran the real estate industry ran rent control anti-rent control ads up there basically saying like, hey, you know, if you live in a, a building that was built after 1995, if you live in a co- rent a condo or rent a single family home, you shouldn't vote for this rent control measure because it doesn't even apply to you. So they were like weaponizing Costa Hawkins to defeat rent control, you know, without telling people what Costa Hawkins was or that they were the people responsible for it. So we've definitely seen that tactic before. I'm sure that we'll see it again. And, you know, that's also why organizing in new places and educating and informing is the best way, I think, to educate and inform the public is when you have a local tenant organization in your neighborhood and in your community, you're much less likely to be, you know, you, you have, there's a presence there. You're much less likely to be like duped by real estate money and false advertising. You know, another thing that I think is important to point out is that this year, because of the pandemic, you know, people were not able to do the door-to-door, face-to-face, person-to-person outreach that is really integral for a ballot measure. Or we're not able to do it to the extent that we have been able to do in the past. And so I feel that that really did hurt our ability and not just Prop 21, but also Prop RC and Prop C, it hurt the ability of community organizations and folks working uh, to pass these measures uh, to be able to reach people who would be the most impacted by this. So tenants in big buildings, um, you know, definitely uh, people that, you know, you, it's really a lot harder to reach now, right now, and especially with this bigger election and the um, taking up a lot of the attention. But um, and so just to kind of recognize that, you know, our ground game was definitely affected by the pandemic. And so I think it's been really been, you know, for example, I really appreciate that uh, Santa Ana, who was trying to get a rent control measure on their ballot and were didn't, unfortunately did not have enough signatures, 
you know, they took the innovative approach of starting a drive-through uh, signature gathering in order to reduce contact, in order to ensure safety. So I think one thing we've definitely learned is that we need to come up with kind of more innovative ways to reach people where they're at and to um, be able to carry on this work, even if these restrictions around, um, you know, uh, social distancing and so on, especially with a surge of COVID cases right now, that we can, we are able to still carry out that work um, in the, in the future and well, right now and in the future. I guess, I guess I don't have much more to say beyond that, but it kind of, it, it, the recap almost seems a little bit of like a same old, same old situation, you know, same old going up against real estate money, et cetera. But, you know, I, you're right. Like what people have been able to do and how people have really gotten creative in campaigning during this pandemic is like, is really inspiring. I think we'll have, well, first of all, we're not going to be out of this pandemic for a while. But, um, but also I, I think it's, it's really innovative organizing and really innovative campaigning. And I think that is going to make us a lot stronger in the future. Maybe just really quick, we can also just give props to housing as a human right for bringing forward Prop 21 and all the hard work they did to try to pass this measure. Um, also big ups to the folks in Sacramento, tenants, Sacramento Tenants Union, as well as um, the Burbank Tenants Union for all the work they did to put these measures even on the ballot and then to get a, a decent showing, uh, you know, which hopefully if they try again, will be successful um, after we learn some lessons from this time around. Looking to the stars in this despicable world. So many people going nuts. It's the time of the squirrels. Volcano steady on erupt and it be changing the world. So many reasons to live the seasons. Life is a swirl. Even when I am down, I get up like around in the 12th. My mission, mission for my peoples, it ain't never for self. And I live amongst the equals, never ask for no help. Wounds, lick it up, fix it up when I gotta pick it up. Ah. Find us rising, playing elevators. <laughs> Guess I've always been an outcast. But motherfucker, we got hella flavor Don't tell the haters, nothing ever been about that I just keep it focused, awake and dreaming Your sleep is hopeless We've been close to falling off edges And we didn't even notice They try to play us It's almost like we don't need to vote It's crazy how we're still cool as my coast is Tell them If you feel yourself fall, pick it up If you see our music online, pick it up If you see your comrade down, pick him up And if you got some love in your heart, give it up Now we're gonna hear a report back from our volunteer coordinator Victoria Sacarayas who's gonna tell us what's happening right now with the volunteers um, you know they're holding it down for us right now during the pandemic and we're just really anxious to get a recap of what's been going on lately so what's happening? Man yeah definitely our volunteers like you said have been holding it down and it's kind of brilliant in the way in which they've like risen to this many calls of action as we continue to see new legislation pop up and just trying to wrap our heads around um, how we can translate it and offer it to our communities for their own liberation. So um, our volunteers have been supporting on that in the groundwork and on a higher level projects. Uh, of course, you know, we got our renters rights hotline. Um, our, at the beginning of the pandemic, we transitioned that to become remote um, and have been able to expand our counselor network uh, to those outside of the Bay Area. We got folks all the way up in NorCal, SoCal, uh, picking up the lines of community members in crisis and um, yeah, just trying to 
uh, workshop with them some strategies to alleviate themselves from this pandemic. It's been kind of crazy. We're in this uh, recruitment right now and um, training a bunch of uh, new uh, comrades and advocates for the hotline. Um, yeah, and just trying to really center the voices of our of tenants and our community members at this time. So doing that on the renters rights hotline. Um, we got our tenant story project. We've been doing that in coalition with two uh, dope organizations called anti eviction mapping project and uh, sunrise movement. Uh, we three have come to collaborate and just highlight the voices of our community during this time so that legislative um, ballot measures and um, policies can be uh, centered in supporting those most impacted. And that's what we're doing through this tenant story project. You can look on our website if you want to record a testimony and share your experience out with the world. How many stories have we collected so far, do you think? Yeah, we've had, we've been going on this project for since the summer. Um, so collectively through the three organizations, man, we got quite a few and it's just thinking through strategically how to amplify their voices in the times and spaces um, where they'll be heard and seen and action can be created. So yeah, we've, we've garnered some more, a lot, but we could always uh, need more. Um, it's been good, man. People have been brave enough to stand out and just talk on their experience. And it, it also seems to have been like a pretty, um, like easy process for most folks to share their stories too online. So I would encourage you yeah. to just get on our website and find that portal to share your story too. Right, yeah, you can just, uh, Sunrise Movement and the brilliance of technology, just, you know, just find it, press record and, and speak your truth. Um, because you're not alone, man. Our hotline has been slammed um, with folks who have been experienced or at risk of eviction in this precariousness that the pandemic and the economic crisis has put us all under. But uh, we're working really hard to get people information um, so that they don't feel alone in their experience. So working as well on another project with Health Leads and Stanford Legal Design Lab and creating kind of know your rights resources um, and just putting all these leak lease terms into plain plain terms so folks know what the heck to do with it. Um, we're going to be populating research that has been going on all summer by volunteers um, into this portal called Legal FAQ. Uh, and it'll be exactly that, a legal FAQ on what your rights are against evictions during a time of pandemic. And trying to get that uh, that resources information out as widely as possible. I mean, being remote has made that, of course, a challenge. Um, but we've been really innovative and our volunteers have, have been really innovative in their solutions and partnerships. Like we were working with uh, Code for America and Code for the Code for San Jose chapter. Um, and again, Stanford Legal Design Lab and thinking how we can use technology to get that info out. So working on a wise messenger helpline text bot tool that's in its beta form that folks can text into as well if they don't have internet access to get that same information of what your rights are against evictions um, during this time. Yeah, but working on more tools as well. I think Lupe, um, you wanna talk about that letter writing tool that we got going on. Yeah, no, of course. Thanks, Victoria. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we are really excited about all the different tools that really this pandemic has actually really forced us to invest in and to um, innovate um, during this time. Um, so one of the tools that we are working on right now is a letter writing tool, um, which 
we've been working on with UCLA students, and it be, would basically help tenants effectively communicate with their landlords about their rights. And it would allow people to then be able to have language that they can easily pull out. It would basically be um, upgrading our current letter tool that we have um, on our Tenants Together website, which right now it brings up a PDF and then you have to link links to a, a Word document, then you fill that out and then you print that out. And so what this tool is going to do is actually going to upgrade that system, hopefully, and make it so that you just are logging in to put in your information that you need and be able to print out a letter that you can easily send. Um, and we hope that that will facilitate people being able to send the letters that they need during this time when so many of people's rights can be, um, you know, can go through, can basically be lost through the cracks. And so, you know, I just really want to say, you know, definitely a huge thank you to all the folks at Legal Design Lab at Stanford and Code for America and Health Leads um, who have all been putting in so an anti-eviction, sorry, mapping project and Sunrise Movement all these folks who have been collaborating with tenants together to make these tools possible for everyone. Um, this is, again, we have not been working in a silo. We have been working in a huge team of organizations and volunteers, and it's taken a lot of work to actually make this happen. So I just wanna you know, say that we're working on this. We're still kind of making sure that things are being, um, the, the bugs are being worked out, um, but, yeah, as of right now, you know, we definitely, um, and the other thing is that legal, the legal FAQ tool is actually a nationwide tool. So it's not for California. We're taking the, helping to take the lead on California, but it's actually going to be something that's available to people nationwide. Wow, that's huge. So, yeah, it's a huge project. And, and like I said, this pandemic has really forced us to make things more accessible on a on the digital platforms has also made it so that we have to make things available to people via text, which people are more familiar with, and also to have better and easier writing tools that people can easy can easily access and be able to communicate some of these uh, current and sometimes confusing protections yeah. to their landlord. Well, that's so huge to have a tool like that. I mean, I could imagine how useful that's going to be for tenants, especially in the coming months as we're you know bound to see a wave of evictions and other types of, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, issues coming up for tenants. So, uh, wow, that's that's really big. Do we know when this is going to be ready to launch? The letter writing tool, I think as of right now, we're looking at, I believe, early next year. So early January, I believe, Victoria, am I right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I think, yeah, it, we've been trying to work out it in its beta version to make sure that the information, um, though it's been created by professionals is accessible mm -hmm. to everyone. So yeah. we're in our beta version and reworking it to get it out to the masses. So and hopefully the, next fall, or excuse me, next spring. And just so people know the wise messenger tool is available with the text bot tool and that's available on our website. We have the number of people can text. Um, so that is available now. We're working on the kinks of it. Um, in the legal FAQ is available now um, for California and the rest of the country, but we're actually updating that. Um, and that actually goes along with this huge data collection yeah. and uh, reporting project that Victoria has been working on as well with um, several, with many volunteers. 
Yeah, I, our volunteers have definitely held it down and been the momentum behind all of these projects in collaboration with these other organizations too. So huge shout out to them and thinking critically about kind of documenting our work through data in a sense to be able to pull the numbers and of the experiences of our communities and, and utilize that in a way to affect change. All right, so Lupe, can you tell us a little bit about the community clinics? Um, you know, I'm hearing a lot about these bi-weekly virtual tenant clinics that's happening, and uh, I know I'm part of it, but I want to hear more from you <laughs> to, to explain to the listeners uh, about what's happening there. So just to be clear, when we say virtual, we do not mean virtual reality. <laughs> so it's not like a very cool thing where it's you can the, like interact right. in person virtually. Uh, we're not that. <laughs> we don't have that much money for that. And also that would be really weird. So no. So no special effects. Virtual, no, no special effects. We don't get the budget for that. <laughs> but I can tell you that again awesome. that would be pandemic, awesome though. imagine that the world would it would be awesome great. and also a little weird yeah like that's true. <laughs> you know i'm like i don't i all i want to say is i do not want to have that image in there mirrored after me somebody else can put that up i'm good um so anyway so basically like we said before because of this pandemic we've been you know we're and because of our hotline, which has been super overwhelmed with calls from all around the state that we cannot get to on a time, you know, in, in the time that is needed to address these issues, um, we've decided to start a bi-weekly uh, virtual clinic with tenants from across California in order to share um, local uh, information or mostly state information. But it's been so we can share state information, so we can share resources and kind of like a crowd, if you will, like crowdsourcing, if you will, um, some advice for people who are coming into these tenant clinics. So the way that it works is that every two weeks, um, we have uh, a Zoom registration that people can fill out and then they get access to this Zoom room, basically, uh, where it's usually myself, um, Eduardo has been on, and we're also hoping to get some of our new uh, tenant counselors that are, uh, it's actually some of our current tenant counselors have been a part of it, as well as some of our new ones, hopefully, that uh, will be on to help provide information to people who have questions about their rights. So it does work like a big, basically, conference room where we take stack of people's questions and we go down the line and answer people's questions as much as we can. It's definitely a big endeavor because people have a lot of questions and have a lot to say. So we've been learning a lot of lessons about how to make sure that everybody's questions are being answered and also to try to like, you know, definitely move people towards, as they say, land the plane, be like, so what is your question? Um, and be respectful, of course, at the same time, because, um, and it's been really great to hear people being able to elaborate on the, what's happening in their issue and be able to be open to listen to what we have to say and maybe even what other people in the room have to say about their issue um, and take that advice and be able to have their questions answered right then and there. So, and it's, again, it's totally free. Um, we, uh, are can provide interpretation if we get a, at least 48 hours notice um, in for Spanish but if you have a question and it can wait until our bi-weekly tenant clinic I absolutely recommend that people sign up and attend the next one and be able to um, you know pose their question um, to the group and 
myself, Eduardo, and hopefully at least one or two other people will be there who will know information about how to answer it. And it's one way to give people immediate advice, to give people immediate information, and to be able to direct people to resources that can help them in the longer term. Our next clinic is on the 24th, which is the week of Thanksgiving. And even though, so the staff is gonna be, is not gonna be in the office, quote unquote, <laughs> in our virtual office, but I will still be doing it just to answer any quick questions for folks that are necessary. And then after that, again, it's gonna continue every other week. People can go to our Facebook uh, page and be able to sign up and register. Um, you cannot get access to that Zoom room unless you register first. We wanna make sure that we have follow-up information for anybody that attends. And also we wanna make sure that, you know, landlords aren't coming in trying to like sneak in and listen to what we're saying. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, it, um, you know, people are welcome as long as you're a tenant or a tenant advocate or someone who supports tenant rights. We are happy to have you. Cool. Um, thank you, Lupin. And speaking of the volunteers who've been such a great help on, on these counseling um, clinics that we're having online, can you say a little bit about the emerging leaderships from the volunteers that we have? So as we know, Tenants Together volunteers are the backbone of of tenants together and a lot of the work that we do, including the hotline, including our research projects, um, including all these awesome things that are happening with the letter writing tools and the wise messenger and this huge project that we have of tracking ordinances um, from across the state. These are all volunteer uh, led and volunteers, you know, quote unquote staffed, right? And, um, you know, they're giving their time to be able to do this. And so one of the things that we have found in the last few years, definitely of doing this work is that as they're giving a lot to tenants together, volunteers are also getting a lot back. And we're seeing how doing this work with tenants together and doing this volunteer work with tenants together is actually helping to develop their own leadership as advocates and as uh, people in their community that you know, are standing up for what's right as well as helping to actually parlay that into hopefully a professional opportunities in the future. You know, we've been really excited to see that some of our volunteers who have gone through the volunteer training and have learned about tenant rights and have given other tenants information and spent time on the hotline, they've gone on to work at places like Eviction Defense Collaborative. They've gone on to work at like Superior Court, helping other tenants be able to get advice at the self-help center. They've gone on to go to law school and or business school or public administration with an emphasis on uh, housing or an emphasis on uh, anything, things that are related to tenant rights. And so, you know, I feel like first, definitely it's so important to recognize the efforts of our volunteers in their own fields and their communities, but also the recognition that they're getting for that. Um, so for example, um, we will be, I believe we'll be in a panel soon um, at Stanford Law School, um, along with some of our volunteers, um, and where we'll be speaking about our experience and their experience. Um, one of our volunteers was recently selected for a fellowship to be able, where she will be able to use that time to actually come up with better tools and to improve the tools that we have at Tenants Together um, to, to inform our legislative initiatives. Um, and we're really excited about that. Um, and so I just, we wanted to talk about this because we feel it's so important 
to talk about not just the volunteers definitely are giving to tenants together in terms of their time. But we want to make sure volunteers are getting something from this experience that they can take with them into their future careers, into their future academic pursuits, into their future organizing pursuits and our, in organizing, you know, campaigns, you know, whether it be here in California, whether it be in another state, whether it be in another country, you know, but we want to make sure that, again, that all the work they're putting in, that they're getting something back that will, they can use for the future and that will help develop their leadership and help us develop new leaders, um, you know, for, for the anti-displacement movement. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lupe and Victoria, for that awesome recap on volunteers and all the great work that you guys are doing with the volunteers. And thank you so much to all our volunteers at Tennis Together for all the hard work and dedication uh, to the housing justice movement. Um, but we do want to use this time to talk about fundraising and our great friend, our buddy who hasn't been on in a while, Eileen is here. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> to talk about uh, some fundraising opportunities. Uh, so what's up, Eileen? You know, it's that time of year, my friends. Um, it's getting towards the end of the year. 2020 has been such a such a year for all of us. And um, we know that we're going to need to hit the ground running in 2021. Um, we need more of our work, more of our capacity than ever before. So we're looking to grow the TT team. Um, and there's a couple of different ways that we're looking to folks who are listening now and and in our networks to help support us to do that one of those ways is by renewing their member org um, membership for 2021 so we're starting that drive right now and reminding all of our many members and partners it's about 50 different groups around the state um, who help us decide on our legislative priorities a lot of the different ways that we do our work um, to go ahead and uh, get ready to do your renewal for 2021. As always, that is sliding scale. And we know folks are facing a lot of different economic realities right now as nonprofits. We've had a lot of de demands on our services and that definitely has impacted a lot of our member organizations. So if folks need to talk about what that sliding scale is or create payment plans, et cetera. Tenants Together really is all about that. Um, you know, we are economic justice in our mission and we definitely are in how we run as a coalition. So folks can reach out to me with any questions. So that's Eileen, A-I-L-E-E-N at tenantstogether.org. Um, with any questions about your membership status, including if you're actually an organization that hasn't joined in the past or has lapsed for a while and you need to talk about getting restarted or joining up, I can answer all those questions for you. So that's for our organizational partners, for the individuals listening, our tenants, our tenant allies, our tenant co-conspirators out there. It's time for our year-end campaign and Tenants Together is really grassroots. We do a lot with very, very little. Um, and we're very proud of that. Um, we don't take money from big banks, the real estate interests. We're really funded by our movement folks. Um, and so we're looking to you to make sure you're doing your planning for some year-end giving this year. You can go to tenantstogether.org and click that big donate button right at the top of the page to make your year-end gift. Um, we appreciate our folks so much, whether that's 
you being able to do $5 a month or, you know, a one-off $25 donation. Most of our folks are, are folks who are tenants who are facing a lot of economic challenges right now. And so wherever you're able to participate um, and support the movement, share your resources, we really appreciate that. If you're able to give more or you work in a place that has maybe some employer matching for your gifts and you're a little bit curious about that, go ahead and send me an email again at A-I-L-E-E-N at tenantstogether.org. So that's Eileen at tenantstogether.org. And we can talk a little bit about how we can leverage all those resources that you have access to, maybe through your employer or through other matching campaigns you have at work. Um, I would love to talk to you about that. Um, we're very much supported by our community and our movement and um, and enables us to keep doing the work we're doing. And we, we really need to grow next year. So many folks are going to be impacted, have been impacted, and, and the impacts of COVID are going to reach far into the future. And so we want to be ready. The hotline's been swamped and needs more people there. So we want to be ready to meet that need this coming year. Did I miss anything, Eduardo? Nah, I think you got it all down. We appreciate <laughs> that. No, thank you so I much, Eileen. I mean, you're you're, you know, the bomb. We all know this in the organization. I want Aww. I want all the or the listeners to know too that you know Eileen definitely is big shining light of of like money. So we appreciate her making <laughs> we appreciate her making that ask on on our podcast. <laughs> thank you, and thank you all for all that you do. Um, you know, to keep this work moving, all the resources you share. So uh, looking forward to 2021, everybody. We're so close. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Eileen, for that fundraising update. And now we want to hear from Lupa, who's going to talk about our tenant counseling network trainings and all that, all the stuff that's happening right now. There's a lot of trainings that they're doing and new laws I have to learn. So Lupa's going to give us a little update about what, how that's going on right now. Thanks, Eduardo. So, you know, one of the things that we've learned as organizers and as advocates, um, and especially as tenant advocates, is that the laws and our practices and strategies are always changing according to how times change and how laws change. Um, so one of the things that Tenants Together has been working on is building a tenant counseling network. So this involves a lot of our member organizations who have their own hotlines or are doing their own tenant clinics locally. And it's a space where our member organizations who have these hotlines or um, clinics, we can all get together and discuss how that's going, learn about new strategies, new laws, and also deal with really the impact of doing this work, such as the emotional and really sometimes mental health impact of doing this work. So some of the awesome trainings that the Tenant Counseling Network has done so far. So we did a trauma-informed counseling training with Gambio Colectivo. We've done a training on abolishing debt with a debt collective. And this is extremely important, especially as people's COVID-related rent debt becomes due in January and February. We did a care and eviction defense with Right to the City where we talked about how to do self-care within eviction defense and how to be sure that we stay safe um, and take care of each other. We did a counseling and organizing during the pandemic training regarding the judicial counsel order. And we did another one also regarding AB 3088 and the CDC order. So these are all trainings that we've done to be able to provide our member organizations and our, our tenant counselors as well who are uh, working our hotline, resources and strategies and tools to be able to best advocate, not just for them, 
for the folks that they're working with, their communities, but also for themselves. Um, in terms of, of some upcoming trainings and conferences. So we are bringing back an oldie but a goodie, which is, um, unfortunately, which is tenants living in foreclosed properties. So tenants and foreclosure, we've seen an uptick of tenants living in foreclosed properties, uh, which doesn't bode well, to be honest, for the increase in defaults um, and possible foreclosures happening due to COVID. Um, so because we've seen this increase on our hotline, we will be having a training that we actually began doing back in 2008, which um, talks about uh, protections for tenants living in foreclosed properties and how they can be able to exercise their rights and be able to maintain their residency there, even if the property is foreclosed on. Um, another one that we will be doing is our annual Tenant Lawyer Network Conference. So some people might know we have a Tenant Lawyer Network um, where it's a network of a tenant attorneys who have pledged to defend tenant rights and who have pledged to not help evict tenants. And so we have an annual conference. Normally it's been in person. Our last one was at UCLA in February, right before the, the pandemic closed downs. And so we were able to get together one more time. And this year though, because we're currently still in a pandemic, we will need to make that conference um, we can do it remotely and do it virtually. So that is a time when tenant attorneys and advocates get together. We talk about new laws. We talk about strategies for tenant defense in the courts. We talk about um, new issues that are coming up. And I, I definitely believe that the debt forgiveness issue, as well as potentially debt collection and potential and evictions um, happening after AB 3088 expire and after the CDC order expire are gonna be front and center of this year's conference. So we're really excited. We look forward to having that conference in February of this year instead of January. And hopefully if you're interested, let us know and we can definitely send you information. And you can do that by, you can email me at lupe at tenantstogether.org and we can definitely send you some info if you're interested in attending. Thank you, Lupe, for that update. And thank you to all our guests who joined us on this episode of Renter Power Hour. You can find our episodes on SoundCloud and Spotify. And you can also follow us at uh, Tennis Together on Facebook or Twitter. Or you could visit our website, www.tenantstogether.org. Thanks again. And hopefully you'll join us on our next episode of the Renter Power Hour. Mm -hmm.